Corner. Podcasting global media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Well, you got to say it again. <laughs> it does make me feel good, even on the second time, or the third time, the fourth time. And what are you, what are you here to? What are we here to do tonight? Mm. Damn. That beat makes me want to talk dirty to you, baby boy. <laughs> talk dirty to me, baby. As the phoenix rises from the ashes, it's time to fly. Welcome back to another episode of the Phoenix Flash Podcast, episode two zero. We are back. A month are gone, but we got so much ground to cover. I'm here with my main man, the chairman of the GLG. As your cat is just trying yeah, to ruin cat, everything. Literally decided he was going to take over the opening segment. This is what happens when you try this three times and you get take it right. Three. Time. Okay, Mr. Gooseford, just pick a spot, buddy. Can I introduce my man, Brett Jager, the chairman of the GLG Midwest Division? God bless America. Brett, tell me something good with all this chaos going on. Talk dirty to me, baby. Yeah. <laughs> As you said, this is take three. We've had a couple of false starts here. We had a perfect intro that was very organic, and now it's not. Nope. But it was all about talking dirty to you, and that's what we're going to do today. There's a lot of shit to talk dirty about, specifically in New Japan. The last month plus since we've recorded, the landscape has gotten all fucking weird on us. And uh, if you're viewing on YouTube, my thing or my name says Gato Smoke and Crack, right? Because that's the only way I can explain the last two shows. It was weird. I was going to go with the word interesting, but yeah, we, we could uh, discuss that here in a second. Uh, we're going to talk about a separate show as well. Three shows on the New Japan New Beginning or the 2-4 show, 23 and 24. We're going to go jump over to Noah and discuss a couple of Noah shows. Um Jack Wagner, oh, I'm sorry, not Jack Wagner, uh, Jack Morris, and uh, Anthony Green for the national heavyweight title. We're going to talk mm. a little El Hijo del Dr. Wagner Jr. snatching the uh, GHC heavyweight championship off of Keno. I know we have thoughts about that. And a separate uh, junior tag team match, junior, uh, junior heavyweight tag team title match. I watched it. I know that Brett didn't get a chance to watch that. We can at least discuss that as well. We're going to jump to TJP Dub. The Max Hart tournament was going on when we were on hiatus. We're just going to jump to the final and discuss a little maybe Grand Princess uh, preview coming up with that. And then finally, we're going to go to All Japan and discuss Nakajima's couple of last title defenses. I watched the June Saito match this afternoon and three other matches before that. We'll discuss that. And then to put a bow on this thing, we're going to talk a little stardom. Obviously, stardom has had its little upheaval since we last recorded. Rossi yeah. has getting, gotten the boot and other various matches inside the ring itself, Micah being the new Red Belt champion. Julia feeling feeling like she's on the way out. Just got her hair chopped by Nakuto. So obviously things to talk on that as well. But 
let's just jump into this New Japan discussion because obviously there is plenty to talk about. We can start with that 2-4 show. Um, I know you wanted to talk about the Hanare Gabe Kid match. I know I wanted—I totally forgot about this because it's been so long since we recorded. And I wanted—I almost didn't wanted to make sure we didn't forget about this because it was no, like just a Road Two show, random. You know, I watched maybe a handful of matches from the Road Twos, but uh, this one definitely stuck out. I'd say. And before we so. hit record, before we hit record the first time three times ago. I had said that I think that is probably a top five match of the year thus far, and you kind of scoffed at me. So uh, I didn't know. I, didn't know. I didn't say I scoffed at it. It's just you know I rated it high. Uh, clearly, my number is not nearly as close as yours. Uh, let's just talk about it. Gabe Kid versus Sonari. This was just a, a standard match, no stip on it, uh, but it was building towards the Bullet Club United Empire cage match that we'll eventually talk about here in a little bit. I didn't think much of it. it. Just felt like this was just going to be a couple of uh, guys on each side. We're going to roll out the ball and see what happens. That was not the case at all. They went at it before we were interrupted. So really, the first time around, I was saying that I, I really like Gabe Kidd as a future star in New Japan. Whether it be a, he wins a singles title, a global title, a never open weight title, whatever the case may be. Ultimately, I would like to see him as the leader of the, this new Bullet Club. David Finley is fine. He's, he's serving his purpose. But the fact that he's gotten he's lost the global heavyweight title so quickly, not his fault. But it makes me now really look at him a little differently than I've already was kind of looking at him a little side eye to begin with. I've kind of always been a David Finley fan. I wanted to see where this new regime would go with him as the top of the uh the head so to speak but Gabe Kidd is just doing work whether it's in the ring or just his character he comes out and just heat is literally behind him there are flames you know steps behind him as he comes to the ring let's talk Gabe Kidd what do you what are you looking for for Gabe Kidd and then you can let's talk about the match itself yeah, I mean, he's. they say it, and he is a generational talent, and he's fucking oh, backed he's it up. <laughs> yeah. But he, he's backed it up. He's been unbelievable, yeah. I he will hold cool. most of my thoughts in terms of how I feel about him as lead because we got to build up to that, you know, because right. I think what happened in the cage match to what happened with David Finley a few days ago is like that's among the most perplexing shit. Mm. that we've seen which is like mm. what the fuck but we'll hold that till we get there talk about the match here yeah it was a road to show like i actually did watch the last four because it was great ocon coughlin kid hanare finley callum newman and then uh connors and maloney versus catch 22 so like you said really kind of setting up for that cage match which was obviously a major thing and turned out to be that holy shit um but yeah, this Which match I didn't really like. Yeah, like you said, I didn't really think much of this coming in, but you could tell two minutes in what the fuck was happening, and they just beat <laughs> the absolute piss out of each other mm. for twenty minutes, twenty seven seconds, and it was a double knockout, which I loved. You know, something you just don't see too much these days. I mean, definitely. 
think there's been a few in stardom, you know, here, there. The, one of the Utami Shuri matches might have yeah. ended that way, if I recall correctly. It was during, uh, I think Shuri was the champion at the time, and they it was one of their major shows, and it went the 30 minute time limit draw, and they gave them extra time, and then that extra time. They yep. knocked each other out, and then that's how the match stopped. I was like, yeah, oh. yeah, but it worked perfectly here because, like you said, it wasn't really a step, it was just two guys going out there, trying, you know, fighting spirit, you know, through and through. This is around the time, you know, Osprey's leaving, Okada's leaving. There's a huge power vacuum at the top here in New Japan, and these two motherfuckers came out and said, I want to be up there. Yeah, and, for sure. you know, Jay, didn't get a really chance to talk about Okada leaving it. That happened just that's how long it's been. Yeah, when we finished PSP. 19, that's right. It was like right after right the then, day after, or maybe that's yes, right. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's how long it's been. So, yeah, yeah wrap your head around that. Um, Holy shit. But yeah, the I match think- was sensational. I went 475 on it. I mean, they just kept going and going and it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And it's like, how much can these two motherfuckers take? Turns out they both could not get the job done because they both beat each other too much. And now mm-hmm. it's like, I can't fucking wait to see the rematch, which by God better be coming at some point. Although with the way booking has been lately, who the fuck knows what's happening? I was going to say maybe... I'm gonna try to uh, go on our our th- text thread to see the New Japan Cup bracket. Maybe they might meet somewhere oh, down yeah. the line because the, obviously that's coming up too. Um, I'll pull it up right the, now. Just for the record, uh, the main event on that two four show was the War Dogs versus Catch Twenty Two, where the War Dogs did get back the IWGP Junior. Heavyweight titles off of Catch Twenty Two. I know that you were just talking about uh, David David Finley dropping the, the global heavyweight titles. To me, this is a, this should have been a signal that that could have easily happened. Catch Twenty Two just got the damn titles right. back. I just dropped it. I'm like, wait, what? What the fuck is that happening? A so lot of was- ping pong booking going on here with the titles of late. Yeah, um, definitely hot shotting for sure. If you want to go that route, then this was a good signal of that. Eighteen thirty-three, bell to bell. I gave it four and a quarter. I thought it was a really good match. It just it felt like it was just it was weird, just in the sense that it happened so quickly after Wrestle Kingdom. This is a month, just a little over a month after Wrestle. Exactly Kingdom. a month, two four. Right. So I mean, it's a month to the day. How yeah. is it, how are you going to build this this whole angle up? You know what I'm saying? The War Dog Catch 22 angle really should have culminated at Russell Kingdom. Catch 22 wins the titles back, and now we can all just kind of move along. Now you're at a point where Catch 22 feels like, okay, what the fuck are we what the fuck are we really going to do with with them with the titles? You know, we're not even talking about. Will Ospreay at this point, just them as a team, it just felt really weird for them to drop those titles just when they got them back. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And again, that's just kind of adding to the weirdness of everything of late. Um, Yeah, I think I went four on the match. I don't remember. I didn't look back. It was obviously a little bit ago. Definitely enjoyed it. But yeah, just a little... 
Not, I wasn't nearly as off put by this the David Finley losing. Um, but yeah, similarly, it's just like, what are we doing? Um, and you know, the whole thing at Wrestle Kingdom with the ass wang, which you know, they made that into a big thing, and now it's just like they lose them right back. Yeah, but again, booking just has not been the greatest of late. Can't disagree with too much of that. Well, real quick, what'd you think? Of, what'd you give the Hanare kid match? Uh, four and a half on the Hanari Kid match. Okay. I gave four and a quarter on that uh, junior heavyweight tag title match between War Dogs and Catch-22. Let's jump over to the 211 show. Um, this was an interesting show just in the fact that you had a, a title, not even a title match, I'm sorry. The cage match was the main event, basically sending off Will Ospreay over to AEW, but there were... Other matches that we want, I want to talk about. Um, I think we can start with Okada Tanahashi. I think everything before that was relatively inconsequential. That's you, you kind of stole my thunder. That's what <laughs> I wanted, wanted to talk about, and the fact that we hadn't even really talked about Okada on air yeah. <laughs> as uh, he's going to all elite wrestling as well. So let's jump, let's just start with that Okada versus Tanahashi. Um, I'm trying to think, was this 1650 bell to bell? Okada gets the win. I was a little surprised with that. I just wasn't sure where, where this was going. A part of me was thinking, okay, if there was a time for a draw, this might be that time. Just because Tanahashi being the world TV champion, Okada on the way out the door, Okada in my head should be doing a job or two on the way out the door. Let's nope. talk, we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> But I guess this was should have been a, uh, the sign of things to come. Okada gets the win. It would, felt like Tanahashi kind of rolled back the the clock a little bit. The high fly flow on to the outside I thought was one of the high points, and it looked like you know classic Tanahashi. You know he looked a little more spry getting around the ring at this point. I don't know if it was the fact that you know he was inspired because Okada was on the way out the door, or he was just feeling good. Whatever the case may be, this looked like old. Tanahashi two three years ago of Tanahashi where he still could have been credible for a, a world heavyweight titles match at any given point I gave this four stars uh I was like I said just surprised to the fact that if there was a time that Okada could have you know done a job for anybody on the way out the door Tanahashi could have been that guy but as the uh the match went along before the match this was I guess the day before the anniversary where Okada beat Tanahashi originally for the IWGP heavyweight championships. And that basically got this uh, feud going. So I guess we went that route. It just, it felt weird. It, the Okada leaving still feels weird, even though I've watched all of the, you know, the goodbyes, the, the lead up to it, the whole nine yards, the matches that, you know, should have happened. It isn't, you know, Yoda Suji getting in his face, you know, after the hammer. That was so there. fucking tight. Yeah, that was amazing right <laughs> there. And just Okada just be basically stone faced throughout it, you know, a couple of tears here and there. But let's talk about Okada versus Tanahashi, and then you can give your thoughts on Okada, his final days in New Japan. Yeah, I think we definitely should have seen this coming from the last episode when they didn't put over TMDK for the trios titles. And I think we talked, you know, off air texting um, that I listened to the Super J cast. They they always kind of have sources and they had said that, like, this was an Okada call. Like he did not want to put did not want to do business, essentially did not want to put over any of the young guys. 
like they had made a great point. Like when you had that, the block of the G1, which was all the young guys in Sonata, that if Okada was in that spot and having these great matches with these young guys, like that would have been awesome. But for whatever reason, I guess Okada didn't want to do business. And hey, he's one of the greatest of all time. So whatever. I'm not going to get too upset about it. But yeah, it did just kind of make his exit just as a whole feel a little weird because yeah, you're expecting something. You know, last year, Osprey was winning, 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 but now he started losing matches before he left. Josh Alexander, the cage match, Michael Oku and Rev Pro. There might be one or two more, but it's like he had his year of, you know, everyone saying he's the best wrestler in the world, deservedly so, and won pretty much every single match, but then started doing the jobs. And it's unfortunate, you know, it would have been nice to see. I mean, hell, I've been calling for it for months, the UU Amura going back to the drop kick when he mm. went out the door on excursion. That's what I wanted to see, right. you know, assuming Okada stuck around, I'm sure eventually we would have gotten to it, but that's what I wanted to see. Like you, you coming in the door going for him. Like you fucking sent that message to me when I left. I've been thinking about that for years and I'm coming for you. And it just sucks that we never got to see that. You mentioned Yoda Suji. Obviously I don't need to profess any more of my love for him, but that would have been a fucking awesome match. And I, like I said, I love that he let him have it there. Um, and I think the translation was something along the lines of like, do you feel good about the way you're leaving here? Okay. So he really stuck it to him. I loved it. Um, match was good. You know, I went four and a quarter. Definitely did a good job of kind of capturing the emotion uh, you know, just of their feud, which is to me, one of the greatest feuds in the history of wrestling. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it is just weird. Like you said, and it's weird that we never talked about it on air. Cause yeah, now that I remember it was like either that night or the next day that the news no, it was broke. That night. It, yeah. it was literally, we, we finished 19 PSP 19. And then I had to do BFR because mm. Bill was here. And that was literally like, mm-hmm. one of the- the first things we started to talk about just because it was breaking news or whatever the case may be. So yeah, that's right. It's just one of those things where, yeah, I, Zach Sabre Jr. is one of the guys that, you know, if we're talking about people that could have used an Okada rub, Zach Sabre Jr. has sure. been clearly on the cusp of being the next IWGP heavyweight champion. And for whatever reason, you know, oh, Osprey, Naito, Okada himself, other people have just beaten him to the the punch and just been the champion. Now it's gotten to the point where I don't see an excuse of why he can't be the champion at this point. Outside of Naito, he's probably the next biggest star that they have on the roster as we speak. If you take off, you know, Okada, Osprey, him, Naito, and then you can start going however you want to go from Shingo, that. Shingo, I think, as a former world champ, has got to be up there. Yeah, for sure. He would have, he being Zack Sabre Jr., if if you're going to give him Danielson, which we'll talk about here in a second, I think a natural progression should be Okada and then finally getting that monkey off the back. And then leading into New Japan Cup, and if you want to book him as a New Japan Cup winner again, you can. I don't think you necessarily need to. That's just me, but obviously we'll talk about that here in a second. The, I guess the biggest thing is if, if we'd have recorded right then when Okada would have left, 
I would have been like, you know, much more in the moment. Oh shit, what the fuck's happening? How's New Japan going to, you know, survive this? Yada, yada, yada. Now I'm more like, okay, this is an opportunity for Zack Sabre Jr., Shingo, um, Yonasuji down the line. Um, other guys that I'm probably just forgetting that. How about fucking Tai Chi, baby? Tai Chi, when it's, especially now with Shingo, when you say Shingo, Tai Chi is probably the next person that should be coming out of your mouth because Tai Chi just got got a dub over him too. Their their KOPW feud from last year, I thought, really put the the title at least a credible spin on the title, and really more so put Tai Chi on the map as a credible opponent going forward. So yeah, you can put Tai Chi on there. Guys can get elevated because now. Okada is not at the top of the card. And Osprey. And Osprey. And even Tama had kind of worked his way to upper mid card. You know, he how many times did he win and lose that never title? So yeah, like you said, opportunity. And it's yeah. fucking exciting. But and again, holistically, we'll kind of get through it all. But I think and hope that like these goodbyes are now all done. Okada's gone. Tama's gone. Osprey's gone. We just had these weird couple of shows. It's like mm-hmm. I look to the New Japan Cup as the true new beginning right. in New Japan because it's like now it's a fresh deck. Now let's see what the fuck happens. Yeah, as I'm going to say, that, that is a, a really good point, even though this new beginnings is kind of <laughs> still a new beginning. Yeah. Uh, next match uh, on that 211 card, kind of the, the shocker of shockers, but I don't know why it should be because it's Bullet Club at its finest chase and – Kenta versus ELP and Hikaleu for the IWGP Tag Team Championships. Now, earlier on the tour, Hikaleu and ELP retained the New Japan Strong titles in a fairly easy match, not necessarily anything to talk about. So when I, I should have known this was happening, too, when they made this two separate matches. They usually don't do this sort of thing unless there's a plan behind it. And shocker, shocker, this was the plan. Chase and Kenta go over and defeat EOP and Hikaleo becoming the new IWGP Tag Team Championships in 13 minutes and 11 seconds. My knee-jerk reaction was, of course, what the fuck is this? Now, yep. TMDK was is my first reaction, my first thought. Well, how is it that TMDK can't beat Bishimon in multiple chances, but now all of a sudden you have Kenta and Chase Owens who barely tag beating the <laughs> the reigning two um, two or at least double champions at the time in Hikaleu and ELP um just not sure what we're doing here this is should been no. those times where this was red flag you, I, I should have seen something bad coming going forward but i was still too much in shock too angered to look past what was just in front of me. And in front of me was Bullet Club fuckery, which they get away with. God bless you for it. But this just felt like the wrong team won the match, especially when you have this build for Hikaleu and ELP up to this point. Now you've just had them dropping the titles to a team that doesn't even really team hardly, if at all. Thoughts on the match? Yeah, the match sucked. And this um, and this is similar to the del- the whole David Finley thing that we're going to talk about. Is like you just said, they spend all this time building up ELP and Hikaleo. Did a great fucking job doing it. 
had the epic match in the World Tag League final. And then, yeah, the Wrestle Kingdom match wasn't that great, but they didn't get a lot of time. But still, like, they had their moment, and now they just lose to these fucking bums? Sorry, Kenta is kind of a bum now. Um, Much more comedy than than he was. Yeah, it's just unfortunate. And I would say the first, but now it's kind of the second questionable title change we've talked about. The junior tag title is not nearly as just wrong and bad as this but (laughs) this is the second of many more perplexing title changes we're going to discuss and we said it right before we went on air it's like just looking at a graphic of the current champions in new japan is like what the fuck has happened in the last month and a week i I was going to say i know okada and osprey leave but let's not just just start giving the titles just to any old body i mean god damn you know there are people that actually make fucking sense in this scenario this didn't make sense i agree with you totally um i don't even care where we go with this if it's not tmdk winning the never six man or the iwgp tag titles i don't care what we do at this point now you 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 just pissed me off to the point where (laughs) all the goodwill that you built up with Hikaleu and ELP has kind of disappeared. I don't care about the New Japan Strong Tag Titles. Like you said, you know, at least an episode or two episodes before, those titles should have been merged. Yep. If they if you're going to unify titles, those are the titles that need to be That unified. was the time to do it. You're like, okay, this is for both. What are we do? I mean, I get it. They have the strong shows still, but it's just they're not that frequent to have their own titles anymore when it was like a weekly thing, you know, during COVID and a couple years after. So it's just, it just doesn't make sense. Just on a side note, obviously Windy City Ride is coming up. We'll both be going there with a, a, yeah, yeah. a gang of motherfuckers that's going to <laughs> train wreck. I can't wait. <laughs> now, if you wanted to do, if, if New Japan Strong was still a brand and, a thing if you want to do it and have step separate tag titles, then that makes sense. I don't think that you can do it this way and it makes sense, especially where the tag titles just don't feel important. You know what I'm saying? Uh, now they don't yes. anymore. You know, it had been different if it was some credible tag team. Pick the tag team of your choice. I don't care if Bishimon came back and took the tag titles away from ELP and, and Hikaleu, fine. TMDK, fine. Anybody else but Chase and Kenta would have been acceptable. This just <laughs> felt super fucking lazy. And now I've gotten to the point where I just don't even care about who is the tag team champions unless it's TMDK, uh, Bullet Club being uh kid and uh, Alex Coughlin. Apparently Alex Coughlin might be hurt. Uh, I saw that on our text thread, so, you know, hopefully that's not the case. But, yeah, this was uh, questionable to say the least. Next matchup on that 211 card is Here we go. a palate cleanser of palate cleansers, and obviously a match that is going to be discussed somewhere down the line in uh, late December or early January of next year because this is a five-star classic. Yep. CSJ versus Brian Danielson. No rules, no stiffs, no titles, just two guys going out just to try and decide who's the better technical wrestler. And in this chapter, it goes to Zach Sabre Jr. 32 minutes and 46 seconds of just match 
excellence, a master class. I can't come up with another superlative off the top of my head. I'll take one from our good friend High Five Tom. It was a fuck of a match. Okay, and my Lord and Savior, Wrestling Lord and Savior High Five Tom, can't wait to see you too. Um, This was another just classic ZSJ Danielson match. Just let them go out. And this was better than the first one, I thought. First one, yeah, for sure. I I was just going to say. And I I went five stars on that one, too. Mm -hmm. As we've been ready to say, and that's that's scary to say, but the fact that they can just go out and have these great fucking matches and tell a story within the match, to me, says all you need to know about either or guy. For me, the story is, could Zack Sabre Jr. tap out Brian Danielson? And God damn it, he tried. There was a couple of times (laughs) where I'm just like, Okay, Brian, I'm not if you want to tap here while your arms it's okay. Are, yeah, while your arms are getting you know tagged behind your back and he's pulling Zach is pulling your leg and you can't, you know, physically tap. If you just want to say, hey, you know what? I'm good, I wouldn't lose respect for you, brother. You know what I'm saying? Better men have tapped out, lesser men have tapped out. It would have been okay at that point. The fact that it ends on a crucifix roll-up, that's mm-hmm. more of the, the the true story. Zach comes out and beats him with a technical move versus the, the submission that he had been trying to get over and over and over again. He comes out of the submission, gets him into the crucifix for the three count, and he, a, another magnificent match between the two guys. Go ahead. I'll let you uh, gush on it. Yeah, it was perfection. And I think, you know, we knew it was going to be technically beautiful, just like the first one. And the first one certainly had its fair share of strikes, too. But I think what set this one apart was the striking by both guys. And it was just so vicious. Some just insane slaps to the face at points. Kicks. Kicks, Yeah, just kicking the shit out of each other. It was just, and again, I went five stars on the first one. But this just had even another gear from that one. Uh, this is my match of the year thus far. Like you said, this is definitely going to be on the top of anyone's list, unless you're a fucking moron. Uh, at the end of the year, don't like good wrestling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unless you're a fucking moron. But <laughs> I ain't gonna go that job. This my uh, But yeah, it was just I beat your speed. I ain't mad at you. And I do like that. Uh, it wasn't a tap out because Zach had talked so much shit coming out of the AEW match of. You didn't even tap me out. And like it was, like you said, it was more of a technical move, you know, a transition, a counter. I mean, um, so he had that little bit, but they still haven't tapped each other out. So we're got to be heading to a third here. My guess is Wembley um, makes a lot of sense for this at all in. But I want to see Zach at the win. And I don't know if he would on an AEW show, but I think. That makes sense. And he it would be in England. Like, how does he not fucking win? So that's what I want to see. And it'd be a submission only. Like, you must win by submission or, like, two out of three falls. And one of them has to be by submission. Like, how how cool would that be is, like, they each have, like, a pinfall win. And then, like, you have to tap the other out for the third Oof. fall. Oof. I think would be something special. That just came to me right now. So, yeah. so book it, TK. Yeah, you you over here talking dirty right now. God damn. That's <laughs> right, baby. Trying to square in my seat. Like, hang on, let me get <laughs> oh. I am on Oh video. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, clearly we're we have to be had to do a third here. And it has to be some it has to be a submission. Just the way that this whole feud has worked. Like it's just gotta come to that. And 
like you said, both matches, you know, both guys were on the brink of tap out multiple times. So it's, I just feel like that's the perfect way to end it. And like you said earlier, Zach, it's just his time. It's got to be his time. Like you said, there's nothing standing in his way now. And even if it's a fucking AEW show, we know this is Danielson's last year full time. He doesn't need the win. Put Zach Sabre Jr. over and we'll get the New Japan Cup. I don't necessarily, I certainly wouldn't get mad if he won it, but I don't necessarily want him to win it because I don't think he would take the belt off Naito this soon. However, look what's fucking happening with all the other championships. So who the hell knows? (laughs) As I'm over here, like, no, no, I can see it happening though. Easily, Zach Saber Jr. is an incredible guy that could take. Uh, the title off of Naito. I mean, he put him on the shelf and the uh, the G1. What, what they two. got lots of history. He knocked him out of the 2018 G1. We here's, talk- yeah. here's the thoughts that I was just, as you were talking about ZSJ and Danielson and Wembley, what if ZSJ was the, the champion? If he, if he was mm. the champion at the time, mm. I don't see Danielson becoming the AEW champion between now and Wembley. Oh, wow. I would think if, if it was that scenario where Zack Sabre Jr. was coming in as the champion and facing Danielson, even if it wasn't a submissions match, it was, you know, just the tiebreaker. We're just going to, you know, figure out who's the better guy. That's a scenario where I would say that Zack Sabre Jr. should be going over. If he's yeah. not the champion, then all bets are off. And then I would agree with you that an AEW uh, talent should be going over at that point, and it would. But so. in England, though, if it's in Webley, you know, people would fucking riot if Zach loses that match. <laughs> <laughs> so you better get TK out here right now. Yeah, now it's just got to happen. I mean, I guess you know Dominion. It could be Dominion, but I just think Wembley just makes too much sense with it sense. being like a month or two months later. It's like August, right? And right. Dominion's usually early June, so. Mm-hmm. We shall see. We shall see. Let's talk that main event of 211 because I know that your knee-jerk reaction (laughs) was one thing. So as we're a couple weeks removed, let's see. And I've done sound like it's changed. Let's see if this reaction has changed. Bullet Club versus uh, United Empire in a steel cage five-on-five match. Uh, I would guess this felt more like a a war games rules where one – one member of each side came in after X amount of time, but uh, Bullet Club having the advantage throughout the match. Um, I'll start. I like the match. I'm, I, have a, I did too. I would be lying if I said otherwise. And I rated and, it highly. Yes, I did as well. Now, obviously, it got a little uh, sticky when we started to rip up the apron and expo- expose the the wood underneath a uh, couple guys went through that, uh, that wood, which was a little bit scary to say the least. And I usually yeah. don't get too cringy in situations like this, but once guys were falling through the ring, that's where I was getting a little concerned on just the, the safety of the Coughlin one specifically to me, like he started like kind of running and his leg literally just fell through. And I'm like, well, there's an ACL tear. Thankfully yeah, they- he, but as we as you said earlier, he might be hurt. We don't know. So I think Azar said or someone said they read that he might be hurt. I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me based on that. And just like that was the one to me. It's like, all right, what the fuck are we doing here? 
and I loved the match. I really did. But it just, it truly did get a little unsafe. And they were all just still fucking going at it. And I'm like, guys, yeah. be careful. Yeah, Hanari, you know, I'm, that's the one spot that we didn't see that apparently was, you know, so bad that they wanted to keep it off camera. I'm like, no, yeah. man, so, show that shit. At least give me the replay of, you know, and how it happened. No surprise, Hanare and Coughlin not in the New Japan Cup. Yeah, and and I think that from this two eleven cage match is probably the reason why. Um, I'd say so. Obviously, Bullet Club wins this match. It goes an over an hour long. Of, I think it was an hour and four minutes and some change. Yeah. Second longest match in New Japan history. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, I love the match. I think we could have shaved off probably about fifteen minutes of that, and that's really when you had the apron ripped up and all the shenanigans after the fact. Now, you to take that away and just kind of skip to David Finley and his apparent coronation as the top gaijin, that part, you know, got me back into the match because it really was a point where all of United Empire was basically, you know, either incapacitated or handcuffed in some Dead. fashion. Where, yeah, where, you know, they couldn't help Will Ospreay. And now David... Well, and not only that, he threw Akira out of the ring, which I thought was... Awesome, you know the whole the finish was fucking perfection. Yeah, if you like, I said if you just skip to that point, that's when I was like, okay, this is now getting me back into the match itself. It reminded me that this is supposed to be entertainment. Um, David Finley getting the pin, not a huge surprise. Like I said, it, it felt like the coronation of him being the top gaijin, and that's how you you're supposed to do it. Hey, Mister uh, Okada, you know, take some notes. Neither here nor there. I think, like I said, you take those 15 minutes away. I thought it was a really good match. I gave it four and a half stars just for the fact that the match itself was so good, so wild. The, the many, and I, was, I shouldn't use the word many, but the spots where guys were falling through the ring definitely shouldn't be happening. And I hope it never happens again. But I wouldn't be, I would be lying if I said I wasn't entertained from the start to the finish. No doubt. Yeah, I went four, seven, five. And, you know, I was never going to go five because of that. But it was like, it was fucking amazing. And just the buildup, we already talked about it. That two, four show, just everything. They built this up so fucking perfectly. And we all, I mean, it wasn't a guarantee, but Finley and Bullet Club had to win, you know. Yes. And I'm glad it went that way. Like we said, the finish was perfect with. Everyone being out. Akira was in the ring with him. Osprey spared him. You know, it was basically just like giving himself up, cut my head off. Like it was very like tragic, epic, like felt like a movie almost yeah, for real. Yeah, a tragic hero in this scenario. Yeah, and it was just so, and it was fucking so brutal throughout. I love fucking Drilla Maloney came out strapped with forks. Just so much weaponry and just insanity. I'm like, now see, y'all need to leave Francisco Akira alone, man. That motherfucker's poor guy. He didn't even want to be out there. (laughs) He got like the battalion of forks on his chest. I was like, Jesus. But when Akira came in, like from the back and jumped in too, that was fuck. Like climbed the cage and flew in. That was sick. So much shit happened, and it's been so long. Like I can't. I'm just things are coming to me as I'm talking, but like it was so beautifully brutal and disgusting. But like Drilla Maloney and Clark Connors and 
Gabe Kidd, like those three, you know, say what you will. Coughlin and Finley are both great, but those three are just the fucking man. Well, kudos <laughs> to Drew Maloney because he's obviously been uh, playing hurt as of late. Yeah. Uh, I, I fucking ball. love that guy. From someone I'd only known his name less than a year ago, like he is the fucking man. Yeah, that's going to see him and Clark Connors are a They've really been good such a fun team. team. Yeah. Um, Wish they wouldn't have beat it uh, <laughs> Catch twenty two so quick, but like you know, neither here nor there. But yeah, this was it. The whole thing felt like a fucking movie. Like I said, it's just it was just it was awesome. But yeah, no, it, it did it, got a little hairy there, and it like you said, it did go long, and I was just like, Jesus Christ! Like just I want to say just credit to all. Okay, when you started to tear up the ring, I was like, oh, okay, we gonna we gonna be here for a little bit. Let me walk around. <laughs> I got, just got to give credit to all ten human beings for putting their bodies on the line and doing that shit. Cause that was just fucking wild. And I'd give it that bump extra st quarter star up just for the sheer, like impressiveness of those guys going out there, putting themselves through that, doing that and keeping it together of like a cohesive story for over an hour. Mm -hmm. it, and that's really what it was. The biggest thing is that there was still a story being told as over the top as we were getting at certain points, we were st still telling the story. And, and the story to me was, you know, Will Ospreay falling on the sword on the way out the door and making sure that uh, Akira and others didn't have to, you know, suffer the fate that he knew that he was going to have to suffer. The post-match was perfect. You know, hey, I'll be back. Yeah. You know, all this other good stuff where now Okada is, you know, saying he'll never be back. And that kind of, you know, puts me off a little bit. I don't think it's a never comes back kind of deal, but you know, we we'll see, we'll see we shall see on that. Um, let's jump over to the two most recent shows, the twenty third. Before we before we get all stinky and weird, I do want to go back and talk top five matches of the year because I think we just talked two of them, maybe even three. So uh, Saber and Danielson is definitely my match of the year thus far. I have three five star matches. That's one of them. I would put Michael Oku and Will Ospreay, too, from the recent Rev Pro show. Did you end up watching that? No, I haven't seen that yet. I was going, I was trying to squeeze that in before we, we uh, recorded. I watched, I went back and watched the first match because I hadn't, I hadn't seen that. was before. awesome, too. And I saw the first match just so I can be like, okay, you know, let me get in uh, the backstory behind it. And that first match was really fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. This one's even better. And then three is Josh Alexander and Will Ospreay. Mm. And then I've got a handful of three. Uh, four seven fives, but yeah, I would probably put Gabe Kidd and Hanare in the four spot, and then I mean, I know at the time I said I enjoyed Naito and Sonata more than Danielson Okada, but now that's even got a little stink on it, and we'll get to that. And I'm I'll put Danielson Okada in the five spot. As I said, it was a better match, yeah. just in the moment for whatever reason. I enjoy really enjoyed that Wrestle Kingdom main event, but. Not going to look so fondly back on it now after the most recent chapter, but uh, we'll get to that. But yeah, those are my top five. Any just off the top of your head, what no, are some you, of your favorites no, you, of the you year? You pretty much covered it. I was going to say uh, we usually are pretty close when it comes to our ratings for uh, for matches. But yeah, Okada, Okada Danielson, Danielson, ZSJ for sure are to me are going to be there when we do the high twist uh, next year. Um, from there, I would I would really have to stop and take you know looks at it. This Bullet Club, uh, War Dog, uh, Bullet Club, uh, United Empire, 
it's not going to be in the top five, but I think it'll be on my top 50 somewhere. Yeah. It'll be like that's definitely that, a memorable one. Let's put it that way. Even that four, seven, five, uh, four, five charge or whatever the case may be. So, uh, the two, the top two that really stand out for sure would be Okada Danielson, Danielson ZSJ. Those are both five star matches. From there, you know, I'm I'm willing to let those the other things play themselves out. Did you um, watch uh, Osprey Alexander from Impact? I believe I did. I think yeah, because that was the uh, the rematch or whatever. Uh, it ended on like a C four spike, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and right? Scott Demore cut that sick promo after oh, no. right before okay. he got yeah. fired. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that match I fucking love that match too. But anyway, we can now move on to these fucking weird shows. <laughs> let's jump into the 223 show. Let's just talk, let's just talk all title matches uh, going forward. Nothing that beforehand that we need to talk about it as no. i'm looking at it no okay so let's talk to i'll start with a match that i was definitely curious with uh the women's iwgp title match where you have mina shirakawa versus mayu iwatani 12 28 bell to bell mayu retains the title in a pretty good match i was yeah. concerned and i still think the the tam nakano uh title match was leaving a uh a negative feeling in my, my pit of my stomach. I was just hoping that they would get some time to at least have a quote unquote stardom type match. And I think that's what we got here. It was basically just ring the bell and let these two go out and do what they do. Mina has, I didn't know she was a fitness model before she started wrestling. So to me, that makes her ascension to where she is right now, even more so incredible to where I never thought she would beat Mayu, but I'll be damned if she wasn't keeping up with her and giving oh, her you know, fits. I was hoping. Yeah, well, yeah, but I was just thinking that it was it was probably asking a little too much, especially yeah. with Micah being the red belt champion. Those two, Micah and Mina Shirakawa being in a new uh, faction together, it would have been a little hard for me to think that they would have the top two titles in women's uh, Joshi Russian when it comes to New Japan and stardom. Neither here nor there. I thought this match was good, not great. Three, seven, five. What'd you think? Yeah, I went four, and it's my match of the night, um, which I think is indicative of the rest of the card. But yeah, like you said, they got 12 and a half minutes, and I think they absolutely made the most of it. I was, like you said, not thinking Mina would win, but a small part of me believed it could happen, which is rooting for me. But if I had to pick, I was going to pick Mayu. Yeah, yeah, I would have picked Mayu for sure. But you know how much I love Mina. I did know that she was a fitness model, which is why I did love her ascension that much. Like, in just in the time we've been watching, we've talked plenty about it, just how much she's improved and gotten really, really good. And I think this was just a testament to that, to put her in this spot on this show. And like you said, they went out and had a heck of a match. And I really enjoyed it. And yeah, four stars, <laughs> match of the night. <laughs> That's wild as hell. Next up, you had El Desperado versus Show for the IWGP Junior. Fuck this shit. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. Um, Jesus fucking Christ. What are we doing here? Especially when Despy just got this damn thing back. 16 13 bell to bell. Show wins the IWGP Junior heavyweight title off of Desperado by count out. I was getting to that point with, of course, a <laughs> gang of fuckery. 
but ultimately the biggest fuckery was um, Ren Narita coming from underneath the ring to choke out uh, El Desperado to make sure that he can't get back into the ring for the countout victory. Um, I, I will say this. I've never been a big fan of the countout victory. I like it just because it's it's something different. You know, it's it's a little twist that New Japan has that other promotions don't. That being said, there is no goddamn way that I wanted this match to end in a countout victory for title, a title change. Right now, if you want to, if you want to take the title off of El Desperado, okay, I guess you know that's another discussion for another time. But fine. Just don't do it like this. That's all I fucking asked. I knew that we were going to get House of Torture fuckery. We got it. We got it in the final match with Shota versus Evil. Okay, fair enough. It's a little different than what we've done before where, you know, X person distracts, Y person, you know, does the damage, and then Z gets the pin. It was different than that formula, but goddamn, this is not the way to pass the fucking title of all things, not the count out. That's all I asked. I gave it three and a half stars. It what? was fine. But just the, the way you finish it bothers the fuck out of me. Zero stars. <laughs> Zero stars. I think we call that a dud in the business. <laughs> fuck this. Like I said, this was this sucked. It, same fucking thing, show winning the KOPW, and now this, this title that actually means something, that has a lineage and a legacy, and we get this bullshit. Oh, I, I just don't have anything else to say. Like, I'm just, I hated this. And that, I hated this a lot more than what happened in the main event, but that really fucking pissed me off, too. And no disrespect to Nick Nemeth, we'll get there. But we just got done talking about the coronation of David Finley, and you fucking wiped that away in less than two weeks. But this was just dumb fucking bullshit is what this was. Next. Shota versus Evil for... Next. (laughs) (laughs) You ain't shit. 1545, bell to bell. Evil retains in more House of Torture fuckery. Um... I didn't think that Shota had much of a chance, especially seeing what happened the match before. Now you had Dick Togo at ringside. It was just, okay, how how are we going to allow Shota to lose this match? Not as bad as the count out, but still just the same old house of torture bullshit. Three and a half on this one, too. Neither one of them are, I shouldn't even say neither one of them are worse. The count out is worse. The physical matches are basically about the same. I should just knock the uh, the show to uh, the uh, Despy uh, show match down a point or two, but neither here nor there. Down three and a half points. <laughs> I got one word for this match. Next, <laughs> let's move along. I, I I don't have much to say about it honestly because I mean, e- Evil is the never open weight champion. Feels like it's going to be a thing. And it's just going to take a, a, an act of Congress to get him off of that uh, never open weight title. You just got so many guys for House of Torture that could come in at any given point, and you know that it's going to happen. He just feels like he's going to be the never champion for the, the foreseeable future, which is uh, that just sucks, dick. But neither here nor there. Next up, you had Tanahashi versus Matt Riddle for the World TV Championship. Tanahashi 
uh, obviously taking the title off of one Zack Sabre Jr. recently with Matt Riddle coming out of the woodwork after getting released from WWE and signing with MLW. He comes out after one of the New Japan uh, New Beginning Tour shows and challenges Tanahashi for this championship. Never really thought much of it. I'll be honest. I do like Matt Riddle non WWE when he was in Evolve. I thought Shit, I liked Matt Riddle in WWE for the most part. I'm a, I'm a Matt gimmick, Riddle guy. His gimmick was never something that appealed to me personally. You know the hey, but bro, he still had some good matches. Like the feud with Rollins was solid, and I mean, there's a, like some with Sheamus like a few years ago. I remember sticking out as being pretty good. But I, I feel you there. They definitely like they rode a little too much. Right. It was too much of the, the stoner gimmick was a little over the top for me. If you just let him be the his, his natural MMA. We know he can wrestle. Yeah. Okay. That's the guy that I was introduced to, and I was like, oh, who the fuck is this? Neither here nor there. This was weird. weird. <laughs> yeah. I th- I'm just, I'm watching it, and I'm like, is this getting ready to happen? I'm like, and don't get me wrong. A part of me doesn't even think Tanahashi should be the world TV champion. Somebody else younger that could use the rub from Zack Sabre Jr. and run with it for a little bit would have been my preference. Remember when they introduced this belt and they said it was going to be for the young and up and coming stars? Okay, yeah, I I did not. You just threw that song in the game. Okay, sorry, Tanahashi. I was trying to defend you there, but Brett just fucked it up for everybody. So in that scenario, okay, I'm. I totally understand why you have a problem with this. I don't Matt Riddle winning the title isn't the worst thing. It was just weird. Yeah. Like this didn't piss me off in any way. Yeah, it was just weird. I didn't expect it. No. I'm not necessarily mad about it, but I'm not happy about it. I agree with you. Like, you know, we talked on the Wrestle Kingdom episode. I didn't think Zach should have lost, but it has kind of opened the door up to him. Or for him to move up a little bit. But yeah, like you said, it's just weird. And like I said from the onset, like this whole show and the next show, this one more so, this one was weird and just bad. Like this just was not a good show at all and left me feeling really off about New Japan as a whole. And But yeah, this was far from the most offensive as we've obviously just been through and then what's to come next. Mm-hmm. Again, no disrespect to Nick Nemeth. Um, but yeah, whatever. I guess we'll uh, see what happens. Riddle's kind of been teaming with United Empire because he and Cobb have a history together. So we'll see, I mean, if how much that continues. And yeah, just just bizarre. Just bizarre. Well, let's get to it. Uh, event on the 23rd was for the IWGP Global Heavyweight Championship. You had the champion, one David Finley versus the challenger, Nick Nemeth. Now, I was honestly, I was pretty excited about this match. I had more experience coming up to this point just so I, I would be invested for what was getting ready to happen. I always wanted to see Nick Nemeth, Dolph Ziggler outside of a WWE ring just because when you've been in some place for so long, you want to see what he, what this person can do outside of that comfort zone that he has been in. This wasn't not different than what I've seen from Nick Nemeth. I thought he was, you know, the usual. He sold really well. 
And that to me is one of Nick Nemeth's uh, greatest strengths is that he can sell the shit out of any kind of move. And that's one of the things that we, I got from this match. David Finley wasn't necessarily bad, but he wasn't necessarily good. I don't know if this was a, a chemistry issue or I'm just talking about the match. I'm the, the booking part of it. We can dive into that in a second. Just something wasn't meshing with the match. It was good, but then it never felt like it got out of the second gear where, you know, we, we got a couple of, you know, good high spots, but then it never really, you know, extended to the next tier where you, I'm used to a New Japan main event, you know, slowly but surely building up to this crescendo where, you know, it's just like, oh, my God, it was a great match. It never really got to a third level or a fourth level, whatever you want to call it. Nick Nemeth winning is definitely the part that throws me because I guess if we're going to say this is the global heavyweight championship or, you know, the full intercontinental championship, I don't think you need to have it being, you know, moved around from corporate, not corporation, but promotion to promotion. RAC, you know, Nick Nemeth, you know, getting ready to defend it in uh impact or whatever in, in March or whatever. So it almost feels like this was in the works. This was already being planned. And now if that's the case, then why is David Finley even being the champion? The whole reason for David, in my mind, for David Finley to be this guy to win the title is to, you know, position him as, you know, if not the top guys in, but one of the two, him and ZSJ being either or. The fact that they take the title off from him on V1 was the biggest surprise and just ultimately disappointing because I like David Finley. I, you know, I, I was looking forward to see what he would do as the, the inaugural uh, global heavyweight champion. And now that, that that's been snuffed to shit. I gave it 375. I, I thought this was a little better than the women's title match, but the booking of it is just. It's weird. To say the least. Yeah, I was also at 375. I thought, the, like you said, the match was good. The work was good. I wouldn't say it felt off, but yeah, you're right. It didn't really get to that third gear. Uh, it was a lot of uh, Finley working on top, you know, kind of dominating, you know, yelling at him. I'm going to end your career. Like, I love, I liked all that stuff. However, I, this was the spoiler I had coming in, Ugh. but I almost didn't want to believe it because I caught it. I think I said on our text that I literally opened Instagram to look at a picture of my nephew and like something popped in and it looked like Nick Nemeth holding the title for the half second I saw it. I'm like, ah! And so I, I like refused to believe it. Cause I'm like, it can't be, it can't be after what's happened with David Finley in the last two months or month and a half, getting that huge win at wrestle kingdom, becoming mm -hmm. the inaugural champ. You know, ending Will Ospreay. Ending Will Ospreay's New Japan career emphatically. Emphatically. And to have him lose a what a week and a half later. It and again, I really like Nick Nemeth and I really enjoyed his performance here. And I'm excited to see him both here and impact and wherever else he goes. I, I'm very excited. But this was just the wrong fucking call. And it's even weirder that at least kayfabe, it's Gato's boy. And wow. you spend all this fucking time building him up. Hell, all of last year building yeah. him up. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was up and down, mostly up. I'm with you. I like David Finley. I've been impressed with his growth. You know, like I said, it's not all been perfect. But from where he was three years ago to now, I mean, shit. And agreed, he should have been the number two Gaijin. Because let's just be honest, he's no Zach Jr. But at least how they were booking him and presenting him, right. it was as that top guy. Mm-hmm. He Let's not forget, not only Will Ospreay, he put the exclamation point on Jay White, who lost, he lost to Eddie Kingston, but then Finley came out and beat the shit out of him and really took the reins of Bullet Club. So Come he, on, take, he takes out the previous top two Gaijins only to lose to Nick fucking Nemeth. Again, no disrespect. Um, <laughs> for real. All due respect. And this is a guy who's not even a full-time New Japan guy. Right. David Finley is. Right. It just doesn't make any fucking sense. And I hate that it all, it doesn't make me resent Nick Nemeth, but I no. just can't take him super seriously as the champ, right? Like Finley had the opportunity. And again, like you said earlier, not his fault at all that this happened, but he had the opportunity to really take this ball and run with it. And I think he was on that path. Everything he'd been doing this year specifically was awesome. Taking out Osprey was perfect. And now this, I'm just had this title for like six months. At least three or four, you know, drop it at Dominion. Fine, whatever. But at least yeah. get a few defenses under your belt. I mean, New Japan Cup's coming up. That's an opportunity. He made the final last year. Okay, I wouldn't you... go ahead. And here's my problem with that. And I know we're going to talk about New Japan Cup in here in a couple minutes. My only problem with David Finley winning the New Japan Cup is now why would he have to drop the title to win the New Japan Cup? Yeah, and I highly doubt he's going to beat Naito. You know, I would I wouldn't want to see it. No, not because that now it really wouldn't make sense. I mean, now not now especially. Yeah, because then he shouldn't have been the global heavyweight champion to begin with, and just position him in the scenario where you could get him against Naito and to go that route. That this was just weird, just on the especially on the fact of the New Japan side. You built up David Finley, you made him the first champion of the uh, the global heavyweight title, and then on the first defense, this should have been the layup. Yes, they take it away from him. That's just weird to me. I mean, this kind of screams Finley winning the belt back from Nick Nemeth because, like, he's got to come for it again, I would think. If he doesn't, then really, what the fuck are we doing here? And whatever if he wins it back, but why the fuck did he need to lose it in the first place? place. Similarly with Show and El Desperado. Like, Despy's going to come coming for that or just fucking move him up to heavyweight, goddammit, you know? (laughs) That's what he it's either well, Gil ran off with the title on this uh, the twenty four show. That's a nice little segue into. I the skipped two- that match, so uh, no, I, I watched the course. You know that I'm was like, the because it was the opener. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to watch this shit. No, I say, but part of the reason why I watch some of this shit is because of shit like this. Gil takes off with the title, so in my head, this is post match. By the way, yeah, he runs up the ramp with the title, so I'm like, okay. We haven't done show versus yo in a while. We throw in the title. That's that would make some sense too. But Desperado marched up the ramp after them. So now I'm like, okay. So now I'm thinking triple threat. Ultimately, is this Desperado and Hiromu's time to both move up? 
Hiromu obviously taking the L to Doki on this 224 show. A little bit of a surprise, but if you've been kind of watching uh, New Japan on a regular basis, I think they had been kind of building up to this point where Doki finally was going to beat Hiromu. And uh, did it was great. Attack. It was I great. Was, I thought it was really good. I was going to say, I was in my head, I was like, it's, I'm watching. I'm like, is this this getting ready to happen? I'm like, oh shit, this is getting ready to happen. And when he finally, you know, got the backslide win, I was like, oh shit. So now in my head, like Desperado, we talked about moving up. Hiromu's taking a couple of L's to Doki. I'm not saying that that's going to run him out of the uh, the junior division, but this is the rub that you know an Okada should have gave fill in the blank on the way out of the door. And I'm thinking that's what Hiromu is doing for Doki. Maybe both guys move up. And go into the heavyweight ranks at some point past post uh, New Japan Cup. Well, that was a little discouraged because I was hoping one, if not both of them, would be in the New Japan Cup. And weirdly mm. enough, TJP was, I think, the only junior in the field, if I recall correctly. I think that's right. Sounds right. Which I, I, I like TJP, but of all people, why him? Of, yeah. um, of all the juniors. Yeah, there's going to be say either or Hiromu or, or Desperado would have been yeah. a choice just on uh, cachet. Resume. And real quick before we move on, um, typically at the anniversary show, the heavyweight mm-hmm. champ is challenged by the junior heavyweight champ, which is currently show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we could have seen El Desperado versus Tetsuya Naito, which would have been yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's fucking show. So what I hope happens is Naito says, fuck that. I don't want anything to do with this piece of shit. Give me Hiromu like we were supposed to do four years ago. Th- if, that, if that happens, it'll make up for a lot of these sins here. I'll go this far. I watched the uh, the backstage after the, the 224 show and uh, show was waiting for Naito after the match. And- God damn it. It, it already feels like the, that wheel's already in motion to the point where... Well, there's another main event ruined. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're just going to go with that. Nonetheless, uh, the, between now and that anniversary show... They I don't think there's really any... I don't, even th- I don't even know if there's any shows. Okay. So, like I said, I, I, I got the sneaky suspicion that's going to be your uh, anniversary and, show. Main event. And that just fucking pisses me off. <laughs> I hear you. What could have been? El I mean, Desperado, Naito, show Naito. Get the yeah, fuck out of here. Romo, uh, Naito, show Naito. So I mean, yeah. this show just really, really put a bad taste in my mouth. I would. I can't say it put a bad taste in my mouth. I was. I just came out like I really didn't want to watch the two twenty four show like the yeah. way I should have wanted to watch it. You know, even though you you had the main event. We could talk about that here in a second. Let's just talk about the one match that I know we want to talk about. Hold on one sec. I do want to say my viewing experience for this was odd, too, because I went to a wedding Saturday. Mm -hmm. I got up, watched Elimination Chamber first, and then I'm like, okay, I at least least want to get these final two matches in because I didn't want those to get spoiled, even though, I mean, if Naito would have lost, that might have been it for me. But... (laughs) Um, so I watched those last two. <laughs> what was that? Sorry, I was gonna say if Naito would have lost the Phoenix Flash podcast, would be over. <laughs> I, I, think might, 
I think you're like after all this other shit that happened. If that would have happened, yeah, I think we might have packed it in. But so yeah, um, I, yeah, it was just weird watching it this way because I had that bad taste in my mouth. I did, and we'll get into it. I did enjoy Suji Uemura, but it underwhelmed me. And then that main event was it was on the way to being good, and then botch, 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 and then it yep. just oh god it really just kind of fell apart and they lost me and it just it that left a bad taste in my mouth and then i'm like god damn what the fuck new japan and then i go back and it's like okay doki hiromu was tight mm-hmm. i mean hell even bushi taka was very serviceable and then yeah doki it was Hiromu, better than i anticipated for sure yeah doki hiromu and taichi shingo both four and a quarter in my book both very very enjoyable so it's like at least i got the end my new beginning experience on a high note with those two matches because that main event just really was not very good. No, it, it definitely got clunky in spots. Uh, like you said, towards the end, second time this has happened between the two guys. Um, I but they brought it back at Wrestle Kingdom, and that's what made me really enjoy it. It's like it could have unraveled like this did. But they were able to get it back, get the crowd back, have a great you know six, eight-minute final stretch. And this one, it was like they had the one, but and it, it, it's come on like a Destino. Oh, the one was the Tornado DDT, but yep. there's been a couple Destinos. It's like, and again, I'm not someone to like penalize botch. Botches happen, but when it already happened at Wrestle Kingdom, and then it happens two or three times in this in bad times, it just was unfortunate. No, the the finish where you know it got blessed. Uh, Walker Stewart and uh, Chris Charlton. <laughs> They were doing their best. Yeah. Whereas the tornado DDT and it doesn't get all the way around. It ends up in the small package finish. I'm watching it. And I'm like, okay, first is everybody. Okay. Yeah. You know, before we even get to, you know, raising the, the hands and the title belt and the roll call and all this other shit is everybody. Okay. Because that's the one spot where I was like, Sonata just fell on his fucking head. God. Yeah, it did God. not look very good. No, and I don't, I don't want to say it's, you know, it's bad chemistry, but I think, you know, Naito's um, probably on his last leg, literally on his last yeah. leg. You know, the knees have not been very, you know, kind to him over the years and him just repeatedly going out and doing these spots where it takes agility. It takes, you know, the uh, the Cabrona spot in the corner where you know he can barely jump over the top rope before he can sweep the leg out yeah that's the stuff that you know where i'm watching them it's like uh you know this feels tanahashi ish all over again where now i don't want to see my boy you know decline and i'm watching him decline it's not a fun watch so for me it's not necessarily it's not going to be something i want to see happen but he got the title belt back you know, he did the roll call after, you know, Wrestle Kingdom. There's not much else that I could see for Naito to do at this point. You know, I know he wants to, you know, main events in Yokohama and all that other good shit. I don't know if we make it to that point because this title reign is off to a bumpy start, to say the least. Yeah, I do hope he still has it going into April 12th in Chicago because I would love to see he and Mox for the title. And, you know, we'll see who ends up winning the New Japan Cup. But, yeah, you're right. That title is probably a little more in jeopardy than we thought it would have been after he won it. But I still think he's going to get 
six plus months. Be, you know, the last time it feels about right. COVID hit, you know, a month or two after he wins, then the whole evil bullshit. And it just, you know, through no fault of his own, could not have that, you know, major big title run. And I think he should, he's at least earned the right to get, you know, six months, four defenses, whatever it may be. But again, who the fuck knows what's going on right that right now in New Japan and Gato's smoking some weird ass shit. But no shit. Let's talk hair versus hair. You said it was uh, underwhelming. Why did you think it was underwhelming? I think for a hair versus hair, you know, that stipulation, everything they've already been through, it just lacked the killer instinct, the intensity. But, the you know, it was good. It was more like technical, though. Right. And I was actually watching with a friend of mine who hadn't really watched much wrestling in the last year or so, but had he's watched plenty of new Japan with me, but for various reasons, hadn't been watching recently and he had not seen Suji yet. And I'm talking him up and talking him up and how great he is. It's offense. And even commentary, we haven't seen the flash from Yoda Suji yet. And it just never came. And again, for something that should have been, it just didn't feel as intense as it should have been given the stipulation, given the history but I thought the work was very good, and I still enjoyed it. But I was just expecting a little bit more. I went four here. I went three, seven, five on the main event. I was let down by both. I'm just going to say it. Um, I'll say this, just my thoughts on the hair versus hair. When it started to get towards the 30-minute the time limit, I knew it wasn't going to be a draw, but I was just like, okay, so that they're fucking with us, you know, because – the the one of the major stories, the story as young lions is that they, they have 20 plus draws between them or something along those lines. It's, it's always when you saw Suji and your come out as young lions, a safe bet was they, this match was going to go the 10 minute uh, time limit draw. So when they started to get to that point, I had to chuckle. It was like, okay, I know it's not going to be a draw, but you know, I, it's the irony isn't missed. I will agree with you that it wasn't nearly as intense as it should have been. Okay. Um, especially in a hair versus hair match, you know, but a part of me kind of thinks that your didn't, didn't have, neither one of these guys have had their real, you know, a long reign with their hair. So in my mind, I was like, if either guy gets their hair cut, it's not the end of the world. Suji would probably be the one that is hurt the most because he feels like he's been built up uh, more, more faster, more rapidly than Yurimura has. That was my thought going into it. It didn't, like you said, it wasn't intense, but I thought it was still a, a pretty good match. Honestly, it was the match of the night. I gave it four and a quarter. I gave the main event four. Um, it just missed that oomph. Yeah. There was other uh, encounters beforehand in, you know, the buildup to this match that felt, you know, like, oh, shit, you know, this is, you know, this is what this hair versus hair match is going to be like. And that's what I was kind of expecting. It was going to be more athleticism, more Yoda Suji just, you know, flying around the ring versus you're more being more of the technical guy. They said Ricky Steamboat multiple times. I was like, okay, that's that's a pretty good comp. I can deal with that. So in that scenario, you, I was waiting for the, the dynamic, the dichotomy, if you will, of those two styles to kind of play against each other, and that never really happened. It happened mm -hmm. in points, but it just never really 
happen the way I thought it would. Good, not yeah. great, but ultimately I think the, the right guy won the match. Yoda Suji is is going to, should be the next guy of this young line group. I love Shota Uno. I do. But Yoda Suji to me just has a, more charisma. I don't care if you give Shota Uno his own fucking entrance. That does not mean shit to me. It's <laughs> nice to watch, but he just doesn't, for me, he doesn't have that same charisma, that same swag that Yoda Suji has. I mean, they're all great. Even Narita's great, and, you know, obviously he's doing way. something different now. But, um, yeah, and I loved the Wrestle Kingdom match, which, you know, they only got like 12 minutes, but I enjoyed that one a heck of a lot more than this one, to be honest. And I, I think they made the most of the 12 minutes. It was a lot more fast-paced than intense. And, yeah, they went 28-plus. It wasn't going to be blistering the whole way, but it just it didn't even really get into a second gear much. And, again, the work, the action was good, but it was just not what I was expecting, especially for a hair versus hair. And just, yeah, it's just a weird couple of shows. I, I expect, like, a table to come out. Yeah, you know, he never even did his flip to the outside. It was teased nope. at the very beginning. That never came. I think he hit one stomp. You know, he that hit probably funny. about six on Osprey. Mm-hmm. And even the spear to win, it wasn't, it, not saying it was weak, but it wasn't as impactful as I'm used to with him. And yeah, it just didn't really hit for me. If it wasn't so close to the end, because part of me was kind of like, okay, we're getting under, you know, five minutes, three minutes, you know, the end is coming up. Something's got to give. I was looking for it at that point, and I sh- and I want to look for it. I just w- I just wanted it to naturally, organically happen. The move, you know, in the in the vacuum of the match, when uh, Yurimura hits the the headbutt and Yoda goes out of the picture for like two or three seconds, I was like, okay, shit, we got something going. If that would have happened like five minutes beforehand, <laughs> now it feels like it would have been you know a part organically supposed to happen versus. We built this up to now, you know, in the last two or three minutes, you're going to make put this spot in. It just felt like it was too choreographed, for lack of a better word. I don't know. Um, it could have been better, but it, it definitely wasn't the worst match of, the, of this new uh, beginnings tour by any stretch. Nope. Yeah, it is what it um, is. Did we forget anything? No, I mean, we we briefly touched on the other three. Like, I think Doki getting his moment was great. I mean, you could see the emotion when he got that win. They've had a few very good matches, better matches than this that have, you know, gotten more time or been for the junior title. But I thought for the 15 minutes or so, I thought it was excellent. And this, you said it earlier, it's like it's been building to this for Doki. You know, his first win over Hiromu, definitely the biggest win of his career. The guy's just... He just from when he stepped in, I think in 2019, and no one knew who he was. Like he's come such a long way, but it's taken time, and the fans are on his side now. Let's see yeah, that motherfucker take the belt off, like, show baby. Like you born Hiromu? Damn. <laughs> see, yeah. I mean, yeah. Y'all some yeah. fickle motherfuckers around here, but I ain't mad at you. No, it was good to see Doki get the win. Of course, uh, I just what's the follow up? You know. And- yeah, well, I'd like to see him challenge for the junior title. Okay, that that to me is good. Well, yeah. and we got best of the super juniors kind of right around the corner. I mean, we're like probably two and a half months away. So let's see him. He's never really made much noise in that tournament. I think 
you know, I, this would be a good time for him to, uh, without thinking, you know, if he might've had like eight points last year or something like that, but I don't think he's ever cracked double digits. So even if he doesn't win, you know, I'd like to see a heck of a run from him. And after last year with Teton and Master Wado, which was a great tournament, it's like anything can fucking happen now. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited like for it. Go down again. Um, let's and talk then just, just real things. quick, Tai Chi Shingo. You know, we've seen it many a times, but it was just another really- very, very good chapter. And yeah. they went the blows down the stretch and glad Tai Chi got the dub because I think he just needs it a little more right now. Without question, I was going to say if one of them gets a title again. That's a, that's always going to be a a fallback feud to to go to at any given point. I wouldn't be upset if, they, if these two bumped into each other in the New Japan Cup. Speaking of which, let's just talk about it really quick. I know that uh, the, the brackets just came out. I took a quick look at it. I would be lying if I said it was a, a little lackluster when it comes to splash name talent but this like we said before a chance for an opportunity for guys to step up and show what they can do in a situation where you don't have okada and others looming over your head to win this whole thing for me it's really two guys um it's jingo and zsj those are my two favorites but like you said for me i don't necessarily need to see ZSJ Naito right now because I don't think that ZSJ would win right now. Shingo Naito is a match that we wouldn't even thought about until Naito won the title. And now we can Oh, I've been to- I've been thinking a lot about it ever since the first because they've still only had the one, I think it was 2019 G1 and it was fucking awesome. So yeah, that's something I've been thinking a lot about. And I think I even <laughs> said I picked I picked Shingo before the brackets were even released just because I want to see that match so fucking bad. I got Shingo too. Like I said, I don't, I don't think that this is, uh, it would be weird to see somebody outside of those two guys win it, but not saying it'd be a weird in a bad way. It'd just be, you know, a different, uh, booking that I wouldn't necessarily see coming. Is there a dark horse that you see that I'm not seeing? Um, I'm, I got the bracket pulled up right here. I, my dark horse pick will be Shota Umino. Uh, interesting that he and Jack Perry will see Jack Perry's official New Japan debut. I figured they would save that for the Chicago show just because you know Jack attacked Shota at the last American show. But so I'm at least intrigued by that. This will probably spin off into something there, which means Jack Perry will probably win. Um, but I, I could see Shota going on a little bit of a run because I just look and think of a final four. Zach and Shingo seem obvious, but, it you know, maybe that seems too obvious. Too obvious. And then uh, David Finley, Sonata, Shota. You know, I think of the New Japan Cup like a few years ago, I think was like all chalk. Like it was all like the big big names winning. And last year was the opposite. You know, right. Sonata, David Finley in the final um, so I think it could be a little more chalk. Your chalk pick would be Sonata, David Finley on one side, and then yeah. ZSJ and Shingo on the other. But yeah, I'm going with Shingo with the head and the heart. Um, but yeah, I think other than those four names, I'd be surprised to see anyone else win it. Jack Perry in the New Japan Cup. <laughs> There are a few interesting first-round matchups. Shingo and Yuya, 
Jeff yeah. Cobb and Yoda Suji. Um, obviously, Jack Curry. Jeff Cobb going to playing this because Jeff Cobb feels like a name that should be mentioned a whole lot more. Another guy that, you know, that should be should benefit for the fact that Okada is not around. Yeah, absolutely. And it what a match against Yoda Suji to kick it off because I wouldn't want to see either of those guys lose in the first round. But whoever wins is going to have to go through Zach. So, but yeah, I could see Cobb. You know, Cobb could certainly make a little bit of a run here, no doubt. Ew, that just come on. And oh, another one, Gabe Kidd versus Callum Newman is certainly an interesting I did, match. I did see that too. I was like, okay, so you know, and, I'm not mad at Bullet Club when uh, United Empire is you know still crossing paths. I just don't want it to be like uh, Gabe versus just five guys. Yeah, when that could set up potential Gabe versus Shingo second round match, which would fucking rip. Sign me up, player. So, yeah, this is going to be great. And like I said earlier, hopefully this is the true new beginning. We turn the page on all the bullshit that happened. I mean, the title holders are still weird. and But, again, with the rate they've been changing, hopefully some of them will be changing again soon. But it just, yeah, it's just fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good good, good way to uh, to end the uh, the New Japan discussion. Let's talk a little Noah because I know speaking way, of Right into another title change. Yeah, uh, a, a nice segue, if I do say so myself. Thanks for the assist. Uh, I believe that was the crossover in Sendai, 2-4 being the date. Um, the main event being El Hijo del Dr. Wagner Jr. versus Keno for the GHC Heavyweight Championship. I believe this was Keno's third defense, sounds right. Um, Second or third. It wasn't, wasn't long again. And that's, I think, is the uh, a, a good starting point where I was a little, again, I wouldn't say worried, but just thinking in my head, this might be, a, this was the first time where I thought that Keno could actually drop the title. I didn't think he would drop it, but, you know, in, my, in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, this, this could happen. It just, you know, it would be weird if it did. But as I think about it, you know, reflecting on it, Monday, Monday night quarterback, if you will, it's not weird. Keno has just been a short-term transitional for, and I hate even use the word transitional when it comes to Keno because to me he's, if not the top guy, one of the top guys in pro wrestling. Noah, he should never be a transitional champion, and now it's kind of feels like it's happened again. Real good match, 20, 29, 37 bell to bell. Um, El Hijo, Dr. Wagner Jr. wins the title. I gave it four and a quarter stars. Um, I was just surprised at the finish. Ultimately, they threw everything at each other. This was a match that I expected. The finish was just, it was great. I mean, don't get me wrong. The finish was cool, too. I believe it was Moonsault off the top. That ends the match. But when it happened, I was just like, oh. Yeah. Holy shit. And it was just a surprise once again that Noah has... I just don't I don't think they really care about long-term title reigns or credibility in their champions because this ain't just it ain't just at the top of the card. It's you know the tag titles seem to be flopping around left and right. You know, God bless Jack Morris. He's been held down the national title for a hot minute, but that feels like the one that seems like it always stays with somebody for a minute. All the rest of them, anybody can get some at any given point. Go ahead, say what you want to say about uh, Keno's latest short title run. 
Yeah, it was just a bit of a bummer. Uh, You know, I love Dr. Wagner. I've always been a big fan. We've talked at length about how much he he and Jack Morris have both improved a ton in the last year plus. But yeah, I just, I'm not mad about him winning it at all. I'm just mad it happened this early because Nakajima's gone. Like you said, Keno, he is the top guy. I mean, Kaito, yeah, is up there, but he's been in New Japan. Go Shiyazaki is great but obviously past his prime it's keno and this just felt jake, like the time either like him or you don't what's that i was saying like jake lee is either hit or miss i see fans some fans like him some yeah fans. but at least he got that nice title reign and i just figured keno would as well it, it was 99 days just short of 100 it was his third defense the last one he did not defend it once successfully just this just felt like the time for Keno to just be the guy and hold on to that belt for a long time and a, make it a big deal when he does lose it to Dr. Wagner Jr. at, you know, eight months down the line. I just would have liked to see more length, more good matches, more just dominance out of Keno because he should be the fucking man there now. Um, but yeah, love Dr. Wagner. Happy to see him as champ. Just wish it wasn't at Keno's expense. I went four on the match. I thought it was good, not great. And then did, I was just caught off guard. But it just felt a little off to me. But again, still some good action. But I just did not. I wouldn't say I loved it. But there was a match earlier on this card that I did love a lot more than this. The junior tag or the heavyweight tag titles. Which was a bit of a surprise, too, where you had the, I would say, perennial junior tag champs in alpha wolf and dragon bane stepping up in weight class against as they should be well i did I, I always thought it was a little weird that they were junior tag champs but i mean you know when you got alpha wolf running around here looking like you know a, a walking brick shit house it's kind of like you know i guess he's a junior you know you're going to tell him otherwise no so it's kind of like you kind of you know what i'm saying is he a junior yeah he's a junior shit he's a junior so be it um they had the opportunity to take the, the heavyweight uh, GAC tag titles off of Anthony Green and Jack Morris. Two names we'll be talking about here uh, shortly in a singles match. But for this scenario, it was a tag title match against uh, Dragon uh, Dragon Bane and Alpha Wolf. I, I was really looking forward to this match because obviously this is, you know, my high twist uh, tag team of the year. And I, I really look forward to seeing them at any given point. So going up and wait against the champs, I was curious to see how this was booked. And this was just the same old track. Oh, thing. yeah. This was great. It doesn't matter who was across from. I thought this was probably the match of the night. I oh, gave yeah. this four and a quarter stars as well. Um, just better than the, the main event. I was a little disappointed that they uh, Dragon uh, Bane and Alpha Wolf didn't win the titles, but – you know, it's not the end of the world. I just figured that uh, there's there's a plan for Anthony Green and, and Jack Morris, I guess, you know, to have them both be champions as uh, Anthony Green def- tries to take the national title off. Jack Morris was, you know, a better story than having the junior former junior tag title uh, champs come up and beat the current heavyweight tag title champs. Neither here nor there. Like I said, I thought this was really good. Another, you know, great chance to see uh, Wolf and Bane together. I'll, any chance I see them as a tag team, I always take advantage of it. 
Yeah, I didn't look back. I think I went four and a half on this, but a four and a quarter minimum. It was just awesome. And yeah, Bane and Wolf, they're fantastic. We've talked plenty about them, but I want to talk about the GLG boys. They're, they're just, they've just been so good since winning the belts. They're a fucking well-oiled machine together. I just think they've given me like Bishamon vibes of like, they're just really good together and they just work well together. You know, it's not like a ton of double team stuff, but it's a lot of like one come in and then the other follow up or I don't know. It just really works well. And obviously it works for Dragon Bane and Alpha Wolf. We've talked plenty about them and just thought this was a great mix. And I was happy to see the champs retain one because we've had so little stability in this company with titles. And two, I think Jackie two belts, baby. He has been given the ball and he's fucking running with it and every opportunity. And I've just, I just love that guy. And green is someone too. That's just gotten better and better the longer he's been over there. And yeah, this was excellent. You know, would have been happy either way, but ultimately happy to see the champs retain. No, I, I, I can't say I was uh, mad by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I do like GLG as a, a faction and uh, Anthony Green getting a chance to to get himself over is always a good thing. Uh, the match just before, just for the record, uh, Daga retained the GAC junior title over O'Hara. Um, I don't want to talk about this too much because it just pisses me off because I like O'Hara, but neither here nor there. Daga retains, and we can move on to the uh, the 23rd, I believe, was the uh, the two title matches that were most recently had. Uh, speaking of GLG, they the GLG tag team champions faced off against each other for the national championship. Anthony Green versus Jack Morris. I, I didn't even know this was happening until uh, yeah, Azar, Azar said but, something. I was just like, well, I saw that and I'm like, okay, wait a minute, hang on, hang on, whoa, 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 <laughs> cool. Jams are fighting each other. We got beef in front of inside the GLG. What the fuck's going on? So you know, this is one of the four or five matches I watched this afternoon. It's I like this match. I, I like the fact that Anthony Green did get a chance to at least challenge for the national heavyweight championship. By no means that I think he was going to win it, but it was good to see him get this chance. Uh, his N1 tournament, I guess it was two years ago, it feels like. We kind of put him on the map. For those who don't watch Noah, I've had a chance to see Anthony Green before that, so I kind of knew where we were walking into to begin with, but his ascension, not as, as sharp as a rise as Jack Morris. It's a slow but steady one. The fact that, like you said, uh, him and uh, Jack Morris retained the tag t- championships. That I didn't have a problem with that because I like Anthony Green that much. And the more that you, I see him on TV in matches, is it's better for him. It's great for him. So in that scenario, wasn't mad about that. Wasn't mad about this. I gave it three and a, uh, three, seven, five. No, I gave it four stars. I'm sorry. Four stars on this uh national title match it was a good chance for anthony green to show his work and he did but you know obviously like you said jackie two belts is a thing right now just it's going to take a little more than uh anthony green to get the national title off of him yeah i went three seven five yeah good good showing for anthony green and like you said never really bought him as a winner you know there were a couple nice moments the crowd was getting behind him for sure but yeah just a good 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 contest here you know, won't blow you away, but just solid wrestling. You know, there was never really any too much beef, like you said. It was mostly out of respect, and uh, yeah, just a just a solid ass match. And like you also said, just good to see Green get this chance. He looked pretty good doing it. 
Yeah. And yeah, just happy to see their tag title reign continue as well. But yeah, just good stuff here. A couple of good looking guys fighting over. That's right. Uh, the main event on that uh, two twenty three show a little underwhelming, but uh, just for the record, Ida and Hayata uh, versus Tanuske and Yohei for the GAC Junior Heavyweight Championships. G yeah, GLG wins that as well. So the uh the champs retain. I believe that was what 15. No, it was 13, 19. So yeah, even weirder for a main event that's under 15 minutes. But once again, neither here nor there. Didn't think that Ada and Hyda even needed to be in the spot uh to begin with, but they won the I guess it was a build-up match to this to earn the title match. Okay, fair enough. 13 minutes is a little short for a a main event in my mind, I gave it three and a half stars. I know you didn't watch it, correct? I did not. No, they didn't think so. So, just for the record, Daga comes. Oh, actually, Taduske calls out Daga because he wants to be the next challenger for Daga. Daga comes out, says, "Okay, great, but we get we being Ogawa and Daga get a chance for the tag title." So it's basically a swap okay. of. I'm tag, good with that. Tag uh, tag title match. Versus a junior title match, Taduske versus Daga for the junior title. And then you will have somewhere down the line, I'm not sure which match is which, but Daga and Ogawa versus the GLG group of Yohei and Taduske somewhere down the line. Um, did I miss anything on Pro Wrestling Noah that you wanted to talk so. about? Okay. Um, so. Let's jump over to TJP Dub real quick. Just talk about uh, really the one match that really that should be discussed. Even though the the tournament I thought was a, a good tournament overall, the Max Hart tournament started, I believe it was the the 20th of January, just recently finished up. I guess it was last week or two weeks ago. I uh, don't have the date written down. But um, winner of the tournament obviously gets a, a Princess of Princess uh, title, a tag title match with, uh, I believe it's Yuki Ano and... Uh, Oh shit! Yeah, why can't I think of it? Rio Mizunami. Rio Mizunami. Thank you, because it was somebody that's not on their regular roster, and that I would always think about, like, why are they doing that? But neither here nor there. Uh, the main event, I shouldn't say the main event, but I guess the final better choice of words ends up being Daisy Monkey, that that being Arisa Endu and Suzume versus uh, Miyu Watatame and Rika Tatsumi, which was a really it felt like this was almost too much of, you know, a battle of a team that is a team, but they're so young versus, you know, the veterans that aren't really a team, but just feel like they, they should just be able to take down this Daisy Monkey team fairly easy. And it wasn't the case. It went, what, 1937, so damn near 20 minutes in the final. I thought this was the second best um, match in the tournament itself. Um Gave it four and a quarter stars. Suzume and, and Arisa Endo win the Max Hart tournament, so they are next in line. I'm assuming that will be at Grand Princess for the Princess of Princess tag title match or tag team titles. Um, it was just good to see the youth of TJPW being served because there's so much of it. Neither one, uh, Tatsumi or uh, Miyu uh, Watatame, need this as a stepping point to anything else. They're set. Obviously, Watatame and uh, Yamashita is going to be the title match at Grand Princess. 
So this was a perfect opportunity to let youth be served. And I thought they did it very well. I think Daisy Monkey is one of my favorite teams in TJPW with two of my one, two of my favorite young stars in Susan May and Arissa Endo. Uh, I'm assuming you watched the match. I did. Yeah, it was great. I think I went four and a quarter again. I didn't look back at anything and it's been a while. But yeah, right team one, like you said. Um, they are the true team. They beat the two, you know, single stalwarts, if you will, who had kind of teamed up. Yeah, just really well done. And I told you off air, I did not catch any of the tournament, but I did watch, I think, four or five matches from this show. I had to at least get my fix of TJP dub as I'm not currently watching stardom. Um, but yeah, really enjoy. I think I started with the Hyper Masao Shoko Nakajima versus Himawari Wakana Uehara. And just everything I watch, I feel like every time I watch a TJP dub show, it's like three and a half star floor and just everything is just very enjoyable. It's always a fun watch and this was no different. And yeah, this was definitely the match of the night. Um, and yeah, just good stuff and nice to see Daisy Monkey get their moment here. Yeah, I just wanted to throw out just uh, Hyper Masato and uh, Nakajima versus uh, Watanabe, uh, Watanabe and Tatsumi, I thought was the match of the tournament. I believe that was on the, the 121 show. I think that was the one I almost watched and did not end up watching. No, I thought it went uh, 20 minutes. So it, was, it went, had the most uh, time given to it. And I thought they did uh, make good use of the said time, especially when you have Hyper Masato and uh, Nakajima together that always seem like they tag, but not, not necessarily a T that you think of as a you know, a potential tag team championship team, but they're always together and they always seemingly bring out, you know, real good entertaining matches. And like I said, to me, that was the match of the tournament. So obviously Grand Princess coming up, uh, I believe that is March 2nd. So we'll be talking about that on PSP 21 in some form or fashion. Um, All Japan, correct? Yeah, sure. I feel like we'll just kind of breeze through the rest here. Um, just the four matches from all Japan, uh, that we wanted to talk about three title matches and then one with, uh, Kento Miyahara and rising Hayato versus the Iogi brothers. Uh, yep. I thought this was just weird just to see, you know, Miyahara back in like a, a mid card role. I know I it, it, it is weird, but it's just, it's, it's something that. I know what he's been before, so watching TJ or not TJPW all Japan, not regularly, but starting to a little more regularly. Yeah, where he's been at the top to see him coming in in the middle of the show was kind of like, I wish I'd have watched this from beginning to end, but I just didn't have time to watch the entire show. But this was a nice little jumping off point. I thought this was a pretty good tag team match. Absolutely. uh, I wouldn't say the right guys went over. Uh, Kento uh, healing it up a little bit. Uh, you know, that, that was a little weird, but that's still nice to see. It, it's good to see him have a a character. It's not always white meat baby face. I can get a little mean if I need to. I can, you know, bend the rule or two if I have to. So that was good to see. Rising Hido is is one of the guys that is one that I really want to start watching all Japan for is because he was uh, one of the guys that caught my eye in the all together show. And every mm-hmm. time I keep seeing him, I'm just like, man, that dude's good, man, that dude's good. And yeah, he ends right. up going, he's going to end up challenging for 
the, the junior title here in a little bit, but we'll talk about that. Thoughts on the tag title or the yeah. tag match itself. Sorry. Yeah, just fun stuff. I mean, three and a half, three, seven, five in that range. I think it was just shy of 10 minutes, but yeah, just great action for, you know, of the top guys in their respective divisions in the company. And, you know, it's always fun to see Yuma and Kento face off against each other. And they've been tag team champs in the past, but, you know, in the little that we've both been watching all Japan together and the little mm -hmm. that I watched, you know, in the previous few years, it's like, that is kind of the rivalry, but they're also tag team partners. There have been in the past. So just always fun to see those two mix it up. And I always just fucking love the Aoyagi's music. Too. <laughs> it's just that super poppy upbeat. Uh, 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 uh. I just love that fucking song. It's not quite Chris Brooks level of me turning the volume up. Well, I can't turn it up to 100 now when I live with my parents, but yep. I used to. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, but I just fucking love their song, man. It just gets me in a good mood. And uh, yeah, that's that. No, it, no I, I, I agree with that. I was going to say that it's one of the things that I never really thought about until you just said it right there. And it, me and it, Azar it, love it. No, it is it, it definitely catchy to say the least. Um, help me with the names on this one because I know this was the. Uh, the TV title match, I just – I don't want yeah. to butcher the names too, too bad. Well, I don't have it pulled up, but I know the one is Rio Inoue or however. And it's like I-N-O-U-E, Inoue, Rio Inoue, I think. Versus Sego Tachibana. And that guy I've never even seen before, but did he not remind you of Hiroki Goto? Yes. <laughs> he just looks so much like on. Goto. Okay, he walked in – he was walking to the ring. I'm like, what the <laughs> – I know I had to like quadruple take. I'm like, all right, he's not as big, but god damn, he no, looks like, like him. Yes, face. If you just gave me the the face of both guys and put them side to side, same haircut, like short yes. on the side, slicked back. Yeah, yes. I was about to say we found Hiroki Goto's doppelganger. He's <laughs> he's the uh, TV champion at uh, all Japan. I keep saying TJPW. It's just that one goddamn letter. Yeah. Um, I had not seen. Well, I shouldn't say that. The Anoki uh guy we had seen, we had seen him before, but like you said, this uh Chachibana never yeah. seen him before. I had never seen him, never even really heard of him to be honest. This, this was but... a pleasant surprise. I thought this was yeah. really good. I gave it first. Yeah. Uh the champ retains, uh Tachibana retains. Uh it's just over 15 minutes, but I was just gonna say I thought this was for two guys that I didn't know much about. They got me into this match real fucking quick, you know. Yeah. It was not physical, but not too – it wasn't too physical, but physical. It wasn't too flippy, but flippy enough where, you know, you got to see both guys show their wares, and I thought it was a nice, you know, use of the time given to it. I didn't even know that All Japan had a TV championship until today, and now I'm seeing this. I'm like, okay, shit. More of a reason for me to start really delving into All Japan if I get the chance to do so because, obviously, there is some talent that I'm still now, you know, just discovering to this day. Yeah, I went three seven five, and similarly, I was more into this match than I thought I would be. For yeah, one guy I'd never even heard of, and in a way, I've seen you know two or three, four times, something like that. Not too much of, but yeah, these guys went at it, and it was uh, very entertaining. Like you said, it kind of had a little bit of everything, kept me engaged. You know, I was not super dialed in from the get go. More on my phone, just kind of whatever, and you know, probably like five six minutes in, I'm like okay, these motherfuckers are going to work. <laughs> 
And yeah, they say for guys I've never seen before, you know, that I came away impressed. Well, I shouldn't say never. One I've never seen, and the other not enough, clearly. Um, junior tag a junior title match was next. You had Dan Tamora as the reigning champion versus uh Abe Fumori. Fum, ah, let's try this again. Fuminori. Yeah, Fuminori. I think it's Abe. Abe Fuminori. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so this Abe Fuminori that had he's, seen him before. This he's part of he's part of big. big He's part of Big Japan Wrestling, BJW, where my boy uh, Yuji Okabayashi resides. But I think he kind of bounces around different promotions. But, yeah, I've seen him three to five times. But, yeah, motherfucker can go. No, he, he was like – he did that, like, I guess that spinning uh, kick in the corner like Mike Bailey does. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, so you got moves like Jagger. That's what caught my eye. And from that point on, I was like, okay, see, I need to follow this guy wherever. Any chance I see He's him, good. I need to watch his matches. I thought this was the match of the night. No disrespect to the I main agree. But And Tamura's the man, too. I hadn't seen him maybe one time before, you know, I got this subscription at the end of last year. And he's someone that I've now seen three or four times. And each time I come out liking him a little bit more. Yeah, and yeah, this was just a great, great back and forth. I mean, really, Fuminori was on top for a lot of it, but Tamura mm. kept fighting, kept fighting. Just good physical action, some good yeah. counters. Yeah, just good shit here. I went David four, and yeah, match of the night for me too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, main event, a little bit of a, a downer where you had, you should have had. Ray uh, Saito, yeah. Ray Saito. And I could never fucking remember which one was which. And even oh, like Googling it. It's hard to like f- pinpoint which guy was which, but I did not realize Ray Saito got hurt because we know he pinned Nakajima in a tag match. And it was like, oh shit, that was surprising. First pin he's taken in all Japan. And then come to find out he like broke his arm on some, you know, an off the top rope move or something. I just caught it on the pre match promo, but I had yeah, no idea. It, it didn't look like it was an all Japan show. It almost looked like. Excuse me, it looked like it was a like an interpromotional show or whatever. And you know, it's a, a move that you see all the time. Guys come off the top, and for whatever reason, uh, he got hurt on that that move. And you know, I think it was a separated shoulder or dislocated shoulder or something like that. His okay. arm was in the sling yeah. and really not able to take the match on against uh Nakajima. So he gives it to his brother uh June Saito. So you had June Saito versus Nakajima for the triple crown uh heavyweight championship i thought this was a good match um yeah. not seen a lot of june or the, or either side or brother for that man I, i've not seen a lot of them singly you know i've yeah. seen them as tag uh tag champs tag team whatever the case may be so it was good to see june give you know a little shine you know what i'm saying but ultimately yep. you kind of knew where this was going to go it was just how are we going to get there Nakajima's just, you know, God bless him. You know, the kicks are just breaking June down. You know, if it's not kicking him in the knee or the leg, you know, when he has him on his knees, you know, he's taking wax in his chest and his back. It's just, it's classic Nakajima at his best. It was just really fun to watch. I gave it three seven five. Uh, Post match, obviously, was to me the yes, Anzai, baby, let's go. So Yuma Enzai comes out to be the next challenger, and I think this could be a glimpse of into the future, not thinking that uh, Yuma Enzai wins this time around. But, but it's going to be good. 
it's going to be good and it would be good for Yuma to get this rub and to get this, I guess, experience in a big match feel where he'll be going against the guy that's come into all Japan and just rolled through everyone and anyone in, the, in his path. So this is another time to really get into all Japan, get into Yuma Anzai because he obviously is the future of the, the promotion and to have him against the current champion in Nakajima is very, very intriguing. Is there a match date for that yet? I didn't see that. I haven't I seen haven't, I haven't seen, uh, but just real quick on the match, I also went 3-7-5, and it was cool seeing Nakajima against a quote-unquote giant, you know, a guy that's just a lot bigger than him. I was thinking, I mean, that. there's certainly guys bigger than him and Noah, but I feel like I just could not remember a match off the top of my head where he was fighting a guy that large. And like you said, he had to adapt. He used the kicks to knock, you know, take him down. And, you know, fucking June put on a heck of a performance. You know, I think from the little I've seen of the Saito brothers, Ray is definitely, I don't want to say definitely, but I, he comes off as a little for lack of a better term, better. You know, I just like, I like what I've seen a little bit more out of Ray and him, him getting the, what's up? I said, that's fair. That's, it's all subjective. Yeah. And Ray getting that pin. It's like, oh man. Okay. Now I want to see this match. So it was just a slightly bummed, but again, that's injury. It happens. You know, it is what it is, but you had the perfect challenger to slide in his brother. And then if, and when, uh, or, assuming Nakajima's still champ and we all think he's going to be holding on to this sucker for a while that that match will be ready made when Ray Saito is ready to come back so what was yeah. the match uh the title defense before the this uh Saito oh, yeah. it was Shotaro Ashino who I believe I think he either won or was runner up in the champion carnival last year so but another guy had maybe seen once or twice before the right. match and this was, I don't know, three weeks prior to the June Saito match. And I, I went four and a half. Again, it's been a while. I've watched a lot of shit since then. But Shino just fucking took it to him. And it was just even more hard-hitting than I feel like most of the Nakajima defenses to this point. You know, can't take Kento out of it. But it was just a really damn good match. And Ashino looked really good. Certainly something if you got the means and time, which I know you don't. But it's a great match to watch. And an interesting thing I've seen, haven't watched any of them, but in the shows since the June Saito defense, Nakajima's been wrestling in the opener, not for the title, but like just wrestling various young guys in the opening match, which I think is fucking cool. Um, So, yeah, definitely something to keep in. I know one was Rio Inoue, who we talked about earlier. One was... Hokuto Amori, who I think was Nakajima's tag partner for the tag league. And then there was one other guy. I think there's been three matches he's had since then, and it was all the opener of a show non-title. So just cool to see him just going out there and having matches with the young guys. That That's how you do it, Okada. That's how you yeah. do it. Yeah. All right, let's close it up with a little stardom discussion because obviously stardom is the, the one promotion that when we started 20 episodes ago, was red hot, dare I say, white hot at certain points. And now, for whatever reason, uh, if you're a regular listener, you know that it has fallen off of the the radar, so to speak, at least on uh, Brett's side where he doesn't watch it nearly as much as he used to. Still haven't um, watched a single match since October. 
I do want to watch like the Mayu Shuri match from I think one four or whatever, mm-hmm. but I just haven't. You know, no, it's it's definitely one to watch. Uh, for sure, if you just wanted to just you know cherry pick, I shit. will definitely watch that match at some point, and I'm sure others. But yeah, just it's like you said, it's been off my radar. But I like hearing tidbits from you, and as we said earlier, there's certainly some big news to discuss here. Yeah, uh, obviously. Um, Julia's still uh, around, but her, uh, I guess, future's in doubt. Micah becoming the Red Belt champion, all good things. But to me, the biggest story of the bunch is, I believe it was after their 2-4 show uh, where Micah and, oh, geez, Louise, uh, Saya Kamatini were wrestling for the Red Belt championship. Uh, I'm not sure if it was moments after or hours or whatever the case may be, but the bombshell bombshells to me came around where Rossi gets fired from stardom. Now, d- depending on who you listen to or what Avenue you read, it's the stories differ, but ultimately this boils down to, at least from what I, my perspective is Rossi apparently was trying to take talent and move it elsewhere. WWE is the, the name of the promotion that I've heard a lot of or seen a lot of, where Rossi was apparently on the way to WWE, taking talent with them. Kyrie Sane, obviously, going back to WWE was a bit of a surprise. Julia being the big name that was apparently on the way to WWE before this bombshell happened. So you could call it tampering, insider trading, whatever word you want to use in the sense. Poaching. Poaching is the word that I I saw a lot of when uh, this story first came out. So it was just... For somebody that still really likes stardom, I do have the Club Venus shirt on that you really can't really see because the mic is kind of hiding it, neither here nor there. I know Club Venus ain't a thing, but I got it on sale, so back off. Oh, I love uh, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Always was the Club Venus guy. Shit. Yeah, and the shirt is fucking dope. Yeah. Um, the future of stardom, where do you see this going? Does, does Rossi end up spinning off and getting his own promotion as I've seen – Rumors be the thing where talent is not necessarily happy. They're ready to go where Rossi goes. Julia, Atami, others seemingly like they're on the fence. Uh, Miu, the one of the last shows I saw after the fact was not necessarily very uh, stoic with her emotions as we were used to. She was on the verge of tears in her first match after the, the Rossi firing. What are your thoughts on stardom? Where are we going? I have no idea where we're going, but I mean, if the reports are to be believed, I guess he might be starting his own promotion and we may have an exodus similar to that when Mitsaru Masawa left All Japan to start Noah in 2000, where I think everyone but like two wrestlers went with him. Uh, Kawada, which is just the ultimate badass heel move of Fuck you, Masawa. I ain't coming with you. <laughs> I'm never joining you. Um, but I don't know if it's going to be that degree. I doubt it. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. And yeah, it again, if you want to believe the reports, it's what's out there that Julia is headed to WWE, but is delaying that to help Rossi start his new promotion. So I don't know if that means. You know, if and when this happens, she's going to be involved in the first show, first couple shows. Who the hell knows? Um, I know I'm a little bit more intrigued by it all now. And again, 
as much as I shit on stardom, a lot of that was me just like playing it up. But yes, it, it was a bummer that it did fall for me. Yes, it was booking injuries. You can't, you know, can't predict that. But it just it just didn't wasn't hitting the mark for me like it was in previous years. And as we've talked a lot about, you know, both of us are busier men these days and only have so much time in a day. And we both watch a lot of fucking wrestling. And for me personally, it's just what's fallen by the wayside. But I'm definitely intrigued by all this. And I'm sure at some points I will watch some stardom matches this year because I still love a lot of the talent there. I'm going to be very intrigued to see Julia in WWE, assuming that's what happens. Um, obviously, I fucking love her and will follow her wherever she goes. Um, but, yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's interesting. Um, you know, I've seen just various tweets and Instagram posts that definitely seem like the talent support and stand with Rossi. So just going to be interesting to see what happens when that shoe finally falls, but I can't imagine it's going to be a mass exodus, you know, like, like all Japan to Noah, but certainly seems like there's going to be a decent chunk that go with them, but who the hell knows? We'll see, uh, see what shakes out, but yeah, it is, uh, it's fascinating. The landscape is certainly shook up. That's for sure. No doubt. As Gunnery said, it, it was already kind of shaken up where you, you know, with the top of the card, Micah being at the top of the card, Soriano as your white belt champion, you know, other women coming back from injury, uh, Natspoi being one, uh, Kojima being another. So it felt like, you know, stardom was feeling like at least that part of stardom was getting back, you know, together where you, you had a roster and a healthy roster at that. And then I saw this happen. And I'm just like, and I watched this uh, the show beforehand, and then the news that Rossi got fired came out just you know like 24 hours afterwards. I'm like, God damn, you know they can't even have a decent show, a, a really good, decent show, not good, not great, just pretty fucking good. It felt like this was stardom getting you know its sea legs back together again, and now you have this bombshell. I don't know, man. I, maybe it's just the pessimist in me, but. A part of me thinks this is going to be bigger than what we think it is and talent that we don't think that is going to want to leave is going to leave. Mm -hmm. I think this is a huge deal. It's not the end of stardom, I don't think, because I just think that just the, there's just too much talent on that side of the pond where you, you're going to get other people to fill these spots. It's just going to be very New Japan-ish. We're going to be missing a lot of the head stars, Julia, Utami, Shiri, I think are, you know, three names off the bat that I think are going to leave in some form or fashion. Arguably the three top stars of the company. Right. And then, then from that point, you'll start to, you know, I think that's where the rest of the dominoes will fall. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But if I had to take a guess, I think it's going to be a much bigger exodus than you might think it'd be, you know, if it's, if you say it's two or three, I'm going to say it's like five or five to eight. Oh, I, I'm thinking that as well. I think maybe even more than five to eight. I think that yeah. to me is the, floor. I think it's going to be significant. Yeah. 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 Not, not a, 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 like you said, not everybody in the mama, but everybody is just going to leave stardom. And that's where I think they're going to have to start, you know, whoever this young talent is, the, the Yuzukis of the world and all these other. Uh, I mean, they've got plenty of it. That's the thing. It's like shit, we, shit we, ton we, of it. But they, now you're going to have to, you need to start figuring out what the plan is for them. 
Obviously, Rossi was the booker of stardom as well. So a part of me is kind of scared to even, you know, watch what's happened since he's gone away from uh, being the booker. Um, it's not like his booking was that great down the stretch anyway, though. It, it, it was hit or miss, especially, you know, the Julia. But it seemed Campbell. to be getting a little better, you know, after I kind of fell off. But No, it's, it's, I think that for me, I think he was just trying to do one too many things. It was almost Tony Khan-ish where, you know, I have these five ideas in mind and now, you know, we're going to do these five things really quick and none of these ideas make sense, but we're going to do them anyway. <laughs> That's just me. Yeah. Fascinating I stuff. I'm sorry. I just said fascinating stuff. No, it's that's always going to be fascinating. So what what we got coming up? New Japan Cup coming up, Grand Princess coming up. Um I think is Dr. Hiho uh does he have a I'm sure he has a title defense. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen anything, but there's got to be something lined up sooner than later. Obviously, we'll have Nakajima, Yuma Anzai at some point in the near future. So all good things, all interesting things coming up here. Um, I can't think of anything else that we might have missed. I don't think so. I think we uh, pretty well covered it. Weird, weird stuff going on all around here in the landscape in Japan. But that's okay. It keeps us interested and it keeps us with a podcast to talk about. Oh, yeah. Just over two hours as the running time is 204 and some change it's a good time to wrap it up thank you very much for coming out and listening watching the phoenix Flash podcast for my man on the right brett jager i'm your humble host jason cornelius bill we'll see you for psp 21 i'm not sure when it's coming out but probably in the next <laughs> two weeks but we'll figure it out it will just drop in on you like we normally do but on that lovely note we shall bid you all adieu until PSP 21. Peace be with you. We'll see you on the flip. See you.